0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Well, happy Father's Day. How's everyone doing? Yeah? How many dads do we have in the house? Put your hand up, yeah? Do you appreciate these guys? Yeah, well, that wasn't really too encouraging. I mean, do you appreciate these guys? That's better. That's better. That's better. Um, you know, they ask me every single year, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? You know, and I, I have a Weber grill, so I don't, I'm done with that. You know, I, you know, anyone have a Weber grill? Weber grill? It's God's anointing on that. Uh, but all grills are amazing. Uh, I don't know why I said that, but. Um, and I can never really think of, like, I can never really think of what I want for Father's Day. And uh, I know that probably all of you have a long list or maybe two or three items. They say that men have big ticket items, you know, so like a Tesla or <laughs> something like that would be. Would be you know, I, I, put, I, put, I went to the gas station this week, and I, and I filled up our Acadia. We have a GMC Acadia, and it was like 70 bucks. And I remember last week, I put gas in that Acadia, and it was 70 bucks. And I was thinking about a Tesla at that point. I was thinking <laughs> some electric vehicle that I could just plug in, that I could save $300 a month just in gas. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's how men think. I think. You know? And every single time I talk to a guy, if they're wearing something new, they tell me the deal they got on it. So if, I, if they're wearing a shirt, I said, bro, that's a nice shirt, man. He goes, yeah, half off. <laughs> I don't know why that is. It's almost every single time I talk to a guy, like, yeah, I don't know, he got a, got a haircut. Bro, I like the haircut. Yeah, dude, I got 30, you know, 30, 30% off on that. <laughs> awesome. So anyway, happy Father's Day to all you guys. I just want to let you know that you're heroes and that uh, I understand that, you know, we're we're to lead, to provide, to protect our families and our homes. And I know that we have guys in here, a large percentage of guys who are doing their very best to love Jesus well and to serve their families. And I just wanted to say that, that as a dad and as a grandfather, I just come alongside of you and honor you today, and say, well done, good job, you guys. You just give it. Let's let them, uh, let them know that. All right, take your Bibles, and uh, I want to go to Matthew chapter six. I'm going to try and get done relatively early because I know that you guys are grilling today. Or some of you guys are grilling today. Some of you guys are just going to go out and get barbecue today. Some of you don't. You guys hate barbecue, right? Does, any, does everybody like barbecue? Yeah? All right. Yeah. Does, anyone, does any guys like sushi? You guys like sushi? Oh, all right. It's a little, like the opposite of barbecue, you know? sushi. I like sushi. You know, I I do. And I know of a great place in Fremont that you can get good sushi at a good price. And I'm not going to tell you right now. Because one thing I always contend with about sushi is that it's overpriced. It's like you get a roll, 15 bucks. Like, what's up with that? I'm done with that in one minute. You know, especially if I have a fork. If I have chopsticks, it's like five minutes. You can tell, man. I get there and I try to impress people. I'm just like, the chopstick falls on the ground. Oops, sorry. You know. It's like this. Just hold it really gentle. You know? I have it right up way up too far. They go, no, hang it out, put it in the back. You know, just trick, chick, trick, you know. Just give me a fork. <laughs> Stick it in there. Put it in my mouth. So all right, the kingdom of God. Uh, just kind of giving you a little a little uh, background on the journey so we for about 2 years ago we started this whole journey with Ecclesia right and and it's, it's still it still holds true we're we are to legislate from heaven to earth we are to see the reality of heaven come into earth in Matthew 16 Jesus could have used any word when he de- when he defined what he's building he said I will build my church he could have used anywhere at that point. He could have said, "I'll build my fellowship. I'll build my family. I'll build a, a number of things." And but he used the word ecclesia. We we all have an understanding of that. We uh, you know been around long enough. We kind of understand. But please don't let it just be a great or a semi great or a great teaching point. You know the thing I'm wrestling with is I have so much a church in me. I'm constantly asking the Lord, "How do we do ecclesia?" And that's really the, the, the next part of the journey is how, how do we do it? And, and how do we measure our success? How do we measure success in the life of convergence? Or, or how do we measure success in, in our families? How do we lead from that position? How do we do life from that position? And I'm encouraged by so many people who are coming up to me and just sharing what God's doing. It really is amazing. And the other thing that you need to know is that there has been a serious swing in a great direction of the number of people that are being healed. I mean, I am getting reports weekly, several times a week, from people who are telling me that they've been healed, or they prayed for someone to be healed, Or i am just saying that, that God's moving through you, through you guys. Say amen. amen. God's moving through you guys, and you guys are taking steps of faith, you're praying for the sick, you're believing God and man, we're seeing some, not that it's 100%, right? But we're seeing, we're seeing uh, just amazing things taking place and I'm in, we're in our staff meetings and I'm just like, wow, I can't, I'm thinking back through the years, I can't think of a day over, the, over, the la- over many years that I've seen so many, I've heard so many testimonies about how people are praying for people and God's touching people's lives and there's miracles breaking in. And I feel like, what I hear might only be 15 or 20% of what's actually happening. And so I just want to say, you know, good job, you guys. We're all going for it. And the Lord's breaking in. And I do feel like we're in a new day in the Bay Area. I do feel like we're in this new day. I've, I told you guys a year and a half ago, maybe a year, a year, year and a half ago, I feel in the spirit the pages, the chapters turned. Like we're in a new season, a new chapter, I think heaven is closer to the, to the Silicon Valley than it's ever been. I feel like if we would just begin to approach people about Jesus, they're gonna be, re- be open to hearing the gospel. And they're gonna to wanna to receive what we have and what we carry. And so the old argument that the, you know the Bay Area is this and the Bay Area is that and you can't reach it, it's the hardest place in the United States and here's the demographics, here's the study, here's the research. I'm telling you, there's a new research coming from heaven to earth that's actually God's spirit, spirit is being poured out. And I feel like we need, to, uh, we need to capitalize on that reality. And while there's that open heaven that the Lord is, I feel like there's a portal that the Lord is just downloading into the Bay Area. And I just feel like the resistance is not as intense as it used to be and that people are very much open, and we're starting to see reports of signs and wonders, miracles. Those are some measurable things, but people also receiving Jesus as the Lord and Savior, people coming back to the Lord. I'm telling you, we're in a new day. Can we rejoice in that? We are. We're in this new day. And it doesn't surprise me that we would be, that the Lord would release, not just here, but God would release the, let's just say, the Ecclesia message, in a broader context, that we actually govern from heaven to earth, and the bigger context is the kingdom of God. Understanding the kingdom: what is the kingdom, and how do we live from how do we live from the kingdom in our in our society, in our culture? You know, a number of weeks ago, I talked. I think I gave you eighteen dis- distinctions of the kingdom, right? And so, and so, it's it's, it's learning that though we live in a republic that we actually live and operate from an unseen realm called the kingdom. And that could get a little confusing, can it? Like how do I maneuver how do I how do I maneuver and govern my life in one reality while trying to live from another? Does that make sense? Yeah. And the kingdom of God is the greater reality than the natural realm that we actually live in. So we want to we want to figure out together how do we how do we live from the kingdom realm in in and through our uh, United States Republic, but living from a from the unseen realm, the kingdom realm, and bring it into and out of us, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, and and that's that's going to require some some gaining some Bible wisdom, right? That's going to require. This is this is the this is the the constitution, the kingdom constitution, for us. And this is what we 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 read and we learn to live by from, so we can get a better grasp of how it is to live from heaven to earth. We have Jesus as as our elder brother and role model, Son of God, who actually did it. He lived. He came during a Roman Empire, but he actually gives us serious, serious clues on how to live from heaven to earth, right? And Jesus is perfect theology. And so what we see in the life of Jesus, we immediately want to follow. We want him to be our leader. We want to look into the word, and we're going to be challenged by some of his statements. How many have been challenged by by the Lord's statements? And, And so this whole idea of Of learning how to live from heaven to earth is is rewarding and challenging. But here's what I here's what I'm kind of growing into and understanding is that God has designed me, the creator has designed me to live from heaven to earth. In other words, my challenge is this it's not unnatural for me to live from heaven to earth. I'll say it in a more positive way. It it should be natural for me how I'm created to live from heaven to earth. Right? Because, because when when we were when there was no sin in the world, God dwelt with us, walked with us. We had in, we had a relationship and intimacy with the Lord, and the challenge was to extend Eden and so our challenge was always out of a place of a loving relationship and connection with the Heavenly Father to actually advance a government or a kingdom. Yeah. And so th- and when that didn't work, he chose Israel. And Israel was the most stiff-necked people. Like he chose the the worst, the most stiff-necked people. Come on, same. That's what, it's in the Bible, you're a stiff... Anyway, yes. That's what he did. Okay, maybe I don't know if it's the most because I didn't live back then, but that's what he says in Scripture. He goes ahead and he, he taps Israel and he says, I'm going to use you and I'm going to dwell among you and you're going to extend my, my realm, my rule and realm. That's the kingdom. And so we see that Israel didn't really do that great in that process. And so we saw like the tabernacle of David going up. We saw all these things taking place in the Old Testament. And so finally, Jesus came. Finally, the Lord said, I'll just do it myself, right? That was supposed to be, anyway, I'll just do it myself. And so not that he, anyway, he didn't actually say him. And so he took on humanity, emptied himself, take on humanity, and he came as a man, right, and he was fully god fully man and he dwelt among us and he actually was if i can use this word the prototype of how it is for a human to actually live from heaven to earth the most what what's so important for us to understand right out of the gate is that jesus didn't react to the devil he responded to his father and so when we start Reacting to the devil, then we 're actually on his agenda. We have to learn how to Jesus was never rocked by what was happening in culture. He always responded to the Father but not react to the devil and what happens is that we can we can get into a dangerous place when we 're i shouldn 't say a dangerous place i 'll just say Uh, We won't won't really be successful if all we do is continue to react to the devil. We have to learn to live from heaven to earth. That's how we're going to become effective, is that way Jesus did not do anything that the Father wasn't doing, right? So he only did what he saw. That's challenging. I don't know about you. That's just more than just an amen. That's like, how does that happen? So, so... If that's the case, then Jesus when when there was a demoniac, he didn't react to the devil, he responded to the father. So when there's a when there's a bill trying to be pushed through the state of California as you know, I don't know if it's number 49 whatever it is, where they're trying to they're trying to use this now as the, the ultimate goal would be for this to be this becomes a hate book because it says homosexuality is a sin. So then if this is the case, if that's what it says in the scriptures, then then that means that the ultimate end with that of that would be is like let's just not have the Bibles in any of our churches, our Christian schools. So we have that going on, right? How how are we supposed to respond to that? Do we react to the devil? or to respond to the Father. I would encourage you, go to heaven, talk to the Father, ask him how, what he thinks about this bill that's being out. I'm, how many people know what I'm talking about? you kind of vested in that, okay. All right, so this bill, and I'm only using this as, a, as an example. Instead of like, oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? Panic, panic, panic. You know, we gotta do this, we gotta, we gotta panic, panic, panic. We're reacting. I'm not even saying that we don't do those things, but the first step is, Father, this didn't rock you when the bill was written. You didn't look to your son and say, what do we do? <laughs> Holy Spirit is not nervous. Holy Spirit's not, you know, heaven is secure. God is sovereign. So, so there's an understanding that heaven has that we need to gain access to, So we know how to respond, not react. Does that make sense? So, So you could take that even into your home and into your family and into your careers and into the workplace. It's not me reacting so much to things. It's me responding to what the Father is saying. What does that require? John 15, being intimate with the Father. What does that require? It requires me having a relationship with Jesus that's more than him being Savior, right? It, it requires me being in the Word. It requires me hearing from heaven. And so I'm learning to not. I'm learning to not react as much as I'm learning to respond. And when things come and it hits me like I, my initial response is like I react like we gotta do something. Like that's the first thing. Gotta, this is wrong. They're trying to they're trying to legislate. They are legislating. They're trying to legislate. The broader picture might be even the closure of Christian schools and you know, whatever. You know, like they're legislating, we need to legislate. There's a necklace here that's legislating, we need to legislate. Well, how do we legislate? We respond to the Father, and we look like Jesus in the process, right? So I just want you all to know that gain security in your heart that God's in control. Maybe you don't believe that. God's in control. Half of you believe that. So we have to tweak your theology a little bit. That God is, I'll, maybe I'll say it this way, God is sovereignly in control. Do you feel more comfortable with that statement? Maybe not. Let's try it again. God is sovereignly in control. Good. And so, that brings us to Matthew chapter 6. Because Jesus says, you know, I talked about this last week. I said I was going to dip into this passage today. And I'm going I'm to do it by God's grace. The Lord says, don't worry. The Lord says, don't be anxious. So as I was looking at this, pa- I was studying this passage, I just got, you know, I, one thing kind of leads to another with me, and I start doing research, and I start saying, I, I ask questions. I ask a 100 questions, you know, when I study Scripture, and so I came across some information regarding worry and stress. And I know we have folks here in the medical community. And I just wanted you to know I tried to verify this as much as possible. And so, uh, but you know, the the internet could be the internet, you know. So, but I do like this quote: "Worry is like a good rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere." anxiety or worry is a normal reaction to stress. But ongoing anxiety can lead to disorders, panic disorders, social anxiety. And according to this report, 40 million adults suffer from uh, stress or anxiety. Stress comes from the demands and pressures we experience each day. How many people? You know what I'm talking about. That will stress you out. Come on, man. Let's get real. There's only three people who've been feeling stressed in your life. They're probably stressed right now, thinking about, like, what's this afternoon? What's going on over here? What's going on? Okay. So, so all these kinds of things. In, the, in, the, in a Gallup poll on December 20th, 2017, it says that eight in 10 Americans are afflicted, is the, the title of the article, by stress. So in America, stress is kind of normal. In the Bay Area, I would think it might even be more. Like you can get stressed on the freeway. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're trying to love Jesus as that person who doesn't even see you slides right in front of you. Right? or you're in traffic and he edges his way slowly in. He cuts in like this, and he starts, you know what I'm talking about? You're not that kind of person, but you know, it's the person that tries to do that, right? When, we, when we're anxious or stressed out, your mind and your body are constantly on edge because of excessive stress in our life. And because of that, we can even suffer health problems. So that got me, like what health problems? So then I did some more little research and I found out that prolonged stress has been known to cause like numerous health issues. So I'm looking at the saying, man, do I, am I stressed? I'm not going through this list. I think I'm not, but I think I might be. I don't know. You know, like the weakening of the immune system, high blood pressure, upset stomach, ulcers, and acid reflex, or reflux, 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 anxiety, increased rapid heartbeat. In heart palpitations, panic attacks, cardiovascular problems, increase in blood sugar levels, back aches. You're thinking, man, is that it? Is that the reason why? I'll take care of the stress and the back pain, will, you know, tension, headaches, or migraines, sleep problems, uh, chronic fatigue, respiratory problems, and heavy breathing and worsening skin conditions. Wow. I am not encouraged <laughs> with that. And then I read something, if you don't mind me going ahead, give you a little bit of more research because I'll show you how, you know. And uh, there's, this, there's this increase of this hormone called uh, cortisol. Oh, you guys know. See, I, got, I know. I know people are, they're in the medical. Okay. So... I did some research on that, and it's a hormone that is released during times of stress, increasing heart rate, blood pressure, blood glucose, muscle tension, and, and uh, respiration in response. It also, it also temporarily, this hormone, temporarily shuts down the body's systems that are not needed in the, in the face of a crisis, such as digestion and reproduction. So researchers have also found this relationship between this cortisol and diabetes and some of these other uh, medical terms that I have no idea how to pronounce to you this morning, Uh, heart disease, uh, also stress and failure can cause depression, bipolar disorder. I mean, worry and stress, it's just not good for us. No wonder why Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 6. So, so relief doesn't work either. So this is what most people do. Again, I pull this off the, off the web. Isn't it the web great? But anyway, uh, when we're stressed, we're anxious, we're over we could take it out on our partner, our husband, our wife, our kids, our family. I mean, there are times when I've been, I've been walking in stress and I don't, I don't have as long as the patient span as I usually would. Does that make sense? So usually my family knows when I walk in the door, they know. Do you know what I'm saying when I say they know? Like they know. They know when I have joy and they know when I don't. I'll just say that. (laughs) Of course, Jordan is, there's abuse in in, uh, alcohol consumption, taking drugs, You know, we binge on things, we, you know, people get involved in pornography, all kinds of things to kind of alleviate this pressure, this stress that's on their life. The problem is 10 minutes, a half hour or a day, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, that when that's over, the stress is still there the worry is still there. Am I being real enough? And so, don't you love it when Jesus just talks practically? Because he knows, I mean, obviously, how we understand anxiety and stress and worry today probably wasn't the measure 2,000 years ago. In other words, we have advanced equipment We have advanced, but Jesus knew from the foundations of the world, even then he talks about worry and anxiety back then, and we have a way better understanding of it now. And he wants us to live in a place of rest, like take a deep breath and just rest for a moment, would you? Just take a deep breath and rest, because we can actually hear God better in a place of rest than in a place of stress. When we're we're worried, our mind is preoccupied. And I think they say 80% of what you worry about, 85% or 90% of what we even worry about never comes true, but we're still worried about the 10%. That might come true. Oh, you guys. So, worry can turn into, you know... You know, worry is often about the future. We worry about the future. She doesn't like me anymore. I might lose my job. I can't pay the bills. I fail this. What if I fail this exam? What if I don't get this promotion? What if my business doesn't take off? These are all things that we actually project into the future that really we don't have much control over. And so we call that worry. It's just this it is undue anxiety, this undue stress, so we start thinking about the consequences. In other words, if she doesn't like me anymore, I'm going to be single. If no one likes me, I'm going to be single forever. You know, <laughs> I mean, if I lose my job, I have to find a new job. We start freaking out, right? We, it's called—I call it—vain imagination. It's just our imagination just takes off. I can't pay my bills, so I have to borrow money from my parents. I have to find some way of taking. You know, uh, if I fail this exam I have to quit school. If I don't get this promotion, I have to have to stay at this job that I hate or I have to stay in this position for another year or two or three years. And I want to be able to say, I want to say to you there's nothing wrong with planning. There's nothing wrong with looking ahead and you do it under the under a uh, under the umbrella of a of a heavenly father who, who is for you and not against you. It's when we actually move away from the place of rest and planning and having that security in God that we actually step outside of that and we begin to feel these feelings that are we call uh, anxiety or stress and worry. And so that right there, if we keep moving in that direction, that's, that's anti-kingdom. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, does anxiety and stress and worry exist in heaven? No. You guys weren't too sure about that. Is there anxiety, stress, and worry in heaven? No. No. And so we shouldn't be, we, you know, so what I'm challenged with is that in our day and age, it's kind of like worry is worn as a banner, Stress is so common that, you know, are you, you're stressed out about that, huh? Or, oh, I've been worried about you so much. I've been, and we want to express our concern, so we use the word concern instead of worry. I mean, in this, I guess there is a separation. You know, so we, we, almost, we almost wear it like a badge, and we, we kind of, we expect to have, like, a lot of stress in our lives. I think there's a level of stress that's okay, But I'm talking about this this excessive stress to where you're losing sleep over things. And I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. I've been, you know, I go to sleep at 11. I wake up at 2. My mind's turning. Anyone ever? Come on, man. I said it three times already. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. We kind of live in that place. Especially, And there are things that come in our life that we never expected would happen. And we've been blindsided, and we haven't been down that road before. So, am I going to react or am I going to respond? That's the question. That's the that's the that's the gaining maturity as a believer, because things are going to happen. It falls. It falls. You know, rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, right? that we're going to have things that come into our life not to not to not to wipe us out but actually if I handle the problem right I should be able to look more like Jesus on the other side of it and that's the measure the measure is never God's trying to crush you with something that's or you're going to the measure is am I going to look more like Christ on the other end of this problem I'm going to look more like Jesus at the the outcome of what's actually going to take place. How I respond to life situations and circumstances is very important to the Lord. It's more important to the Lord how I respond than what's happening to me. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Yeah. So I could sit down, we can have coffee in the lobby, you can tell me your story, and I could tell you mine. While the stories might be different, the subjects will probably be the same. Disappointment, betrayal, whatever. You know, expectations that weren't met broken relationships, like the subjects are probably consistent. There might be some differences. The stories are going to be different. But how, how, I, uh, how I respond to what comes to me and how, in my response, how I look at the, I'll say it again, how I look at the end of that is really what's important to the Lord, because remember, like I've said in this house before, the goal is not heaven, the goal is the image. The image of Jesus. That's the goal. So when I got saved and when I go meet the Lord, do I look more like Jesus? And so that's that's super important to the Father. That I look more like his son because he's training me to rule and reign through eternity with him. I'm probably not going to be playing a harp and grow wings <laughs> in heaven and just kind of do this and just that's not that's not found in the word. That we're actually gonna rule and reign with him. So, like I said a couple of weeks ago, if I stretched a, a rope from that corner to this corner and I clocked up maybe three inches, that's earth. That's our time here. But we're going to be spending the rest of eternity with them. What does that look like? (laughs) So I'm being trained to reign. You're being trained to reign with him. I don't know what all we're going to do, I know worship's a huge part of it. I know presence is a huge part of it, but I don't know. Ultimately, we have some clues in the Word that we see, but we're going to be rule, we're going to rule and reign with Him as joint heirs. So let's take a look at this scripture, and I'm going to try and move it along. How's that? All right. So I'm reading now the NIV. And it's written in red. I like the red. So Jesus is teaching. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I've been there. You know, this is where he was. I, Wendy and I had the landscape of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is covering all kinds of things. But he's talking from a kingdom paradigm. So just remember, he's talking from heaven to earth. That's the context. The context is he's the son of God. He came from heaven to earth. He's bringing a kingdom, and this is how a kingdom operates. So what does that mean? That means that if this is how the kingdom operates, then he's inviting me into that reality. So this here is an invitation to be worry-free. Wow, I don't think we can. I don't know, Lord. You got to correct me if I'm wrong, my theology, but I don't know. About how, I don't know how you can live worry-free. But anyway, that's you know because we're imperfect and all this. But but he's inviting. He's inviting me in when I read scripture. He's inviting me into something. When I read scripture, I'm, invi- I'm invited into an encounter with the living Savior who's for me and not against me. When I read scripture, it's not to make me feel bad because I'm not doing this. When I read scripture, it's an invitation for him to come along beside of me and bring me into a reality that's unseen. But he has wired me to live from it. Because now he lives in my heart, right? So my spirit and God's spirit are connected. And so now I am coming to him in a place of weakness, but really wholeness, because Jesus lives within. In other words, I have the ability to live this way. Say amen. Amen. Right? So we have, because that's what dunami means in Acts chapter 1, when he said, the spirit's going to come on you and you'll be endued with power. The word is dunamis or dunami, and that word means ability. So he's saying to his ecclesia, I am going to give you the ability, this Holy Spirit's going to come give you the ability to live this life. So this is not an impossible reach. This is an invitation. And what, we ha- what do we say to Father? Yes. We just say Yes. And we're real. And we just say, man, Lord, you're saying this, and I'm way over here. You got to help me get over here. He loves those prayers. He really does. He loves it when we're just honest and we say, this is where we're, I feel like I'm at, and this is where I think you're at, and I... Help me. That's all part of this invitation. So I want you to look at this and read this as, I don't know, as an invitation. Is that good? All right. Before we jump into the scripture, Maslow, I I have to mention this, behavioral scientist, how many of you guys have studied college, went to college, Abraham uh, Maslow came up with what he called the hierarchy of needs. And the hierarchy of needs are water, food, clothes, housing, protection, security, self-actualization, and significance. Jesus is, doesn't discredit that. It's just not the top priority. While I want to provide for my family to have housing... I want to provide to protect my family. I I think I need water. I think the Lord knows we need food, especially today, if you know what I'm talking about. We, We feel like we need a sense of security. Like these are very real kingdom things. But he says that that's not the primary thing. And when you seek the kingdom, Matthew six thirty three, you get all of these. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So I just want to kind of read that, uh, share that with you as we as we step into it. Matthew six twenty five. And I, I will be done in ten minutes. I promise. Therefore, I, I have to. I said I promise. I really got to own it because then I there goes your integrity, right? Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Right there is a moment where you say, are you serious? <laughs> you ever just talk to the Lord in Scripture? Like, you come across a phrase, that's what you'd be real. Like, are you serious? Don't worry about my life. <clears throat> Don't worry. That's the key word. Don't worry. Be, it's, anyway. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. You should never be worried about what you're going to wear when you come to Seahop on Sunday. (laughs) But please wear something. I just want to encourage you along those lines. Is not life more important than food? and your body more important than clothes. So, in the Roman culture, anxiety, alienation, alien, anyway, I'm not saying it right, and addictions were common. But the economics of the kingdom are different than the economics of our culture. So, worry, if I can define that, Worry is giving way to anxiety or unease. It's allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, and it's repetitive and it's kind of in an uncontrollable manner. Like, I can't stop worrying about this. Anyone ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. You could just say amen quietly because I've been there, and so so we might say I'm really concerned or really worried, but I just want to give definition to that. Here's how I look at this. Worry is putting faith in the inferior. Security is putting faith in Christ. So when I worry, I'm actually putting my faith somewhere, other than heaven. I'm actually placing my faith in something that is inferior, not the ultimate expression, which is heaven, the security of heaven. Verse 26, he says, then he draws two comparisons. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In other words, birds don't worry, but they do work. So the birds aren't in the nest like this. And then that's all they do. No birds fly, they work, they build nests, they but the, but the Lord takes care of them. That's the point. And I don't have time to develop that, but just this that point. They don't worry, but they do work. All right? Matthew twenty six six twenty-seven. Who of you now he's speaking to a huge crowd? By worrying can add a single hour to his life. In fact, worry takes hours out of your life. Prolonged anxiety gets you even gets you sick in the process. So, our worry or worrying, if I can just point this out, does nothing positive. So, let me suggest something. If we would just pray as much as we worry, I think we'd be a lot more healthy. So, every single time you get a thought, a worrisome thought, turn it into a prayer. Since we can't control, we have to to change the way we think, then, then turn that worry into intercession. You can even turn that worry into a declaration. So if you're worried about your job, you can just start saying, Lord, I thank you for my job. I know that you have everything in control, that you've given me this, you know, like... Find some ways of making a positive declaration that shifts the culture on the inside. So then verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? Uh, see how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. In other words, they don't work. Spinning is a, as a you know, you spin for clo- like clothes, like you bake clothes, right? Toil, spin. So they don't toil or spin, toil. If you look at, if you did some research on uh, the evil one, I was just reading this this morning. It's really interesting. I haven't done a proof text on this to make sure because that's what I like to do. But I was reading this author this morning, and he said that the Lord was talking to him because he was working so much. The Lord was talking to him, and he, he had a dream in the middle of the night. He woke up about three in the morning and the Lord said something about the evil one. And he's like, and then it left. And so he woke, he jotted a few notes down and woke up in the morning. He did research on the word evil one. And the word means to toil. It means to labor excessively. And the Lord started speaking to him about the Sabbath, about taking time. And so I'm, I'm going to... Check that out, and I would encourage you to invite you in because that's true. Labor or spin is if if there's excessive toil that is coming from the enemy. You guys okay? Verse 29, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. See how he measures beauty and how we measure it? He takes something as simple as a flower. I'm just like, I give flowers to people, but I don't get flowers. When people say, "Not don't send me," I don't. When I say "get," it's like when I say "get," I'm not talking about I receive. I don't like you know flowers or you know. Every once in a while, Wendy will say, you know, she'll have some flowers and she'll smell these. Aren't these don't these smell beautiful? I'm like, no. I'm not gonna smell these. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So I do. So I, I, I you know, I'm like, and? Don't they smell? I disappoint her. I should just say, they smell wonderful, honey. The most beautiful flowers I've ever smelled in my life. Not as beautiful as you. She was looking pretty good up there today, though, I have to say. So... Anyway, if I can get back to the scripture, <coughs> cough. <laughs> Verse thirty. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is sown into the fire, how we not much more clothe you owe you a little faith. So remember about the kingdom, about how a kingdom is wired. The glory of a king is displayed in his citizens. So as his citizens live, reflects his glory. The glory of God is the demonstration, the display of his nature and beauty. So remember, when the Queen of Sheba is walking in before Solomon, she doesn't even make it halfway through because th- the kingdom has already spoken to her before she even talked to Solomon because of what she's seen. She saw how the servants were dressed. She saw just how pristine everything was. And that, was, that told her before she even, made it, she even said anything to Solomon what kind of man he was, what kind of king he was. We have to live with that tension. So our confidence is in God's, uh, it's not obligation, but his commitment to sustain his creation. And it should lead us to transfer our priority from our basic human needs to the priority of cultivating and maintaining a healthy relationship with Jesus and the kingdom. You guys see that? Verse 31, so, Jesus straight up, so don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the unsaved or the pagans run after all these things. Why? Because they're trying to appease their deity so they do to appease. That's opposite kingdom. We do out of love. We do because we know that he loved us, and so we loved him in return, and we have a relationship. The appeasement took was taken care of on the cross. All right, I need a keyboard player up here. That's the only way people are going to think I'm going to get done. <laughs> Matthew 6, 33, as we close, wish I had more time, but he says, but he uses the word, the transitional word. He says, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness. How do you take care of worry? You live from the unseen. You seek, the word there means to pursue, to study, to explore, to understand. First means top priority. Kingdom is his sovereign rule and reign. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, look, first of all, you don't have to worry. So I give you permission to not be anxious. There was no amens. But I understand we, we will, and we do. If there's a prolonged sickness, if there's, like we do, like we, we have to be, we're humans. We're, we're working it out. But I'm saying that there's permission for you. The invitation is we can live with much less stress and worry in our life. That's the invitation. And he gives us the solution. Either Jesus is telling the truth or he's lying to us. The solution then is somehow found in the living reality of a kingdom that's not a concept, right? Not a concept, but an actual re- real place that we can live from. Why else would he say it? It's kind of like what, I can't remember the guy's name, wrote a book called Lord, Liar, or Lunatic, it was a book on apologetics. Either Jesus is Lord, or Jesus is a liar, or he's a lunatic. So now you're having the king of heaven who created all things telling you, I'm inviting you into a place where you don't have to be anxious if you would only choose to seek my kingdom first and then live righteously from it. If we do that, then we could actually... We can we can actually be at peace in the storm. I think that's why he put an eye in a hurricane as an illustration for us that we can actually live in a place of peace when we feel like there's a hurricane. It's living from a kingdom reality, not from the world's reality. Some of us are so glued to the to our, our the Twitter accounts and the Facebook accounts and the paper, we're panicking. Over our, over our country and over our, all this stuff that's taking place, and we're not ascending. We're a peculiar people. We're aliens on this earth. We're strangers coming through. This world is not ours, though we have responsibility for it. So we have to learn to live from this, and that's the invitation for you and me. And then he wraps it up with verse thirty-four, and then he goes on with the, you know some other stuff in the Sermon of the Mount. He says, "Therefore," so you always want to see what it's there for. Time you see it, therefore, it's building on something. So he talks about this and that provision, all these things. He talks about seeking the kingdom and His righteousness, live from this place. That's the invitation. And then he says, "Therefore," after all of that, "therefore," don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. So when you're worried about tomorrow, just say tomorrow you worry about tomorrow. I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow. You can even be you're even quoting scripture. I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow. And then Jesus says, He's real, each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, if you look up that word trouble, it really comes from the enemy. That's what he's saying in that verse. Isn't that crazy. So here's the invitation. I know it's Father's Day. I know we're talking kingdom. I know you know you're going to get a gift when you walk out, guys. You're going to enjoy it because you can eat it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying, there, guys? But it's an invitation that uh, there's a heavenly Father who cares so much about you. He's invited you a pl- into a place where we can live virtually worry-free. I think a solution would be if we can just take the worry and turn it into prayer, I think we'll be able to conquer all this anxiety and stress that we live with. I mean, sometimes, man, you're on the road and you're, you're concerned if you look at somebody like, for about five seconds in the car next to you. Because if, if you look at that person long enough, they're going to say, what's up? You know, it's kind of like, you make a mistake. I mean, people are living on the edge, is what I'm trying to say. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be living on the edge. We should be bringing life and peace and joy, the fruit of the Spirit, is functioning in our life. I think that's why peace is so much a part of the fruit of the Spirit for us. So when you guys leave this building today, have a great time. Be worry-free. It says, cast your care upon him because he cares for you. Wow. Amen. Let's stand. I repent because I'm seven minutes over. Thank you. Let's just pray together, and then you guys are free to go. So, Lord, I choose to be a kingdom man. to live from heaven to earth, and Lord, just to not have it be good theology, not to just have it be a principle that I read in your word, which I love, but Lord, I really need to work that out, and so Lord, I accept the invitation to draw near and worry less. I accept the invitation to live in a place of tranquility that the soul, my soul is at rest, even in the middle of a storm. That I could actually hear from heaven as I'm moving through my day. And there could be things all around me that are pressing in. But like you, you're only responding to Father. And so, Lord, we want to respond too. To what heaven is saying, to what our Father is saying, to what the Holy Spirit is saying in the middle of my day. So I say yes to the invitation. I say yes, I claim that we can live at a place of peace and rest, that we don't have to live stressed out, anxious, worried, governed by our emotions that are dictating something other than the reality of heaven. I pray and I declare peace in every home. I declare that the home will be a a safe place, be a place of joy, and rejoicing, a place of prayer and intercession, a place where the presence of God will d- dwells continually. And as men, we're responsible to at least start the atmosphere. And our families are to maintain it. But we're the initiators. And so, Lord, help us to initiate and lead well in our homes. And we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. I just say peace to you in the name of Jesus. I just say, like, no more stress and anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that people would, they're going to be so free that they'll just, they won't have to take any more medications to alleviate all the stress that's in their life. Just say, just, we just say, you're healed in Jesus' name. Teach us, Lord. In your name. Amen. 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 All right, cool. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.